Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush, 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 Crush. How was that? Was that echo, good? Echo, echo, echo. I, I didn't know. I don't know where, where that came from, but I felt like I had to be extra artistic today uh, for, for you. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. <laughs> hey, guys. You like making money, right? Yeah, you do. I see the green in your eyes. Um, here's a really cool opportunity I wanted to share with you, and that's driving with Uber. Now, Uber is that popular smartphone app that connects riders with drivers. Now, every time I take an Uber, whether I'm going to work or coming to the studio or going grocery shopping, yes, I take Uber grocery shopping. I'm almost that lazy. But um, I always have a really great conversation with the guys and girls who are just escorting me uh, around town, any town that is. And in fact, at South by Southwest this year, I had a really good conversation with the guy who had, you know, where Uber had just opened up in Austin. And he was talking about how awesome it is, how he's able to set his own hours, how he's able to be entrepreneurial. He was a student, so it allowed him to go to class and go to work and still get his education on and get paid. So um, look, you've got a car and a license. I mean, most of you do. Otherwise, uh, just turn this off. But if you do have a car and a license, let's put them both to work for you and start earning serious, life-changing money today. Sign up to Drive with Uber. Visit drivewithuber.com. That's drivewithuber, U-B-E-R, dot com. Uh, that's it. Drivewithuber.com. Uh, hey, everybody. This is another installment of Innovation Crush. Uh, if you have not listened before, shame on you. And if you have, then you probably know that this show... Uh, kind of focuses on all things innovation, marketing, ideas, creativity, and mainly the people who are inventing and reinventing the way we do things. So uh, it is the, the quality of, of guest does not stop here. I'm, I'm self-promoting. I hope it's quality. But the quality of guest does not stop today. Uh, hello, Jenny. How are you? Great. <laughs> uh, Jenny Carden. Did I, did I pronounce your last name right? You did. You did. Um, does that, is that your maiden or married name? You know, I kept my name when I got married. Ah, That's my name. All right. Because you spent some time in Argentina, and I figured it was Carden. Yeah. Like, maybe you decided to pronounce it differently. No, in Argentina, the women don't take the men's last name when they get married. <laughs> I asked a woman. <laughs> now you know what's wrong in Argentina. <laughs> I, asked, I asked a woman, I'm like, why don't you guys take the guy's last name? She's like, we're not going to go changing our names every couple years. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other problem then. Um, so I guess for starters, just give us a little bit of 101 on who you are, aside from your uh, adopted Argentinian divorce practices. Um, no, but as an artist, as a creative thinker, I would love for you to give us the elevator version of, of who you are. Great. Um, so I go by the name Zenka. Uh, it's my street art name. And it's sort of like the DJ name in the art world that people use. Where so did it's it come my from? nickname. You know, it comes from a woman who was a, a famous opera singer that sung between Buenos Aires and New York. And I liked the sound of it because it sounded kind of futuristic. Yeah. I changed a letter and I was like, this is it because that's, you know, because um, my husband and, and my son are, are Argentinian. So it's, it's, we actually live here, but I spent 10 years in Argentina, so it's a big part of my life. Yeah. So um, my tagline for my art is art for the galactic age, and I work in sort of high-tech, low-tech forms. Uh, I do sculpture, and I also do street art. I do things like invisible nanotech sculptures, um, uh, I mean, stencils, I do... You know you're going to have to explain what an <laughs> invisible nanotech stencil is. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, I know what it is, and I'm cool. But um, but the rest of our audience, no, just kidding. Yeah, uh, but keep going, and then we'll we'll get into the okay. Yeah, so um, fabric street um, wheat pasting. I do um, augmented reality murals um, and uh, ceramic installations. Instagram hashtag plaques. Um, my sculpture work can be found in collections in Delta Airlines and Google, and my street art can be found in places like. Panama and Buenos Aires and Montreal. Um, I also consider myself a futurist. I'm fascinated by everything to do with the future right. and kind of what I think of the historical now. Now, some people have futurist as an actual job title. What, like, what's your <laughs> definition of futurist? And I still haven't figured out what it is as a job title because I'm like, is it like you just guess what's going to happen? There are actually people <laughs> I know. that have it as a job title. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's someone that has charged themselves with trying to understand what's going to happen in the future and to help the rest of us um, understand what changes are going to happen. I mean, we're kind of living in a really interesting age right now because um, there's a law of um, accelerating retur- returns that Ray um, Kurzweil came up with that basically states that every 10 years, the rate of technological development is going to double. So in the 100 years that are about to follow, so 2000 to 2100, mm-hmm. 20,000 years of progress are going to happen. The equivalent of yes. that. So we're about... Did you just do that math in your head? Because <laughs> if you did, I was like... <laughs> yeah, so um, it's actually, it's good, you know, we're in for a wild ride because the way that we can relate to this change and deal with change is going to define who we are as people. So... I mean, I'm sure you heard all over the news yesterday was this artificial intelligent robots yeah. that are good. You know what I mean? Those kind, I mean, the legal forces alone that are going to have to deal with the the, the um, rapid technology movements that are going to happen in the next 20 years, 30 years are going to be mind boggling because it's going to be very confusing for all of us. So um, I think it's a really fun time, too. Um, I'm I you know, I think the world is getting better. Um, and and so it's exciting to be working you know, are you in light of like those two very different points of views? Right, one is it's going to be fun. The other one is like we're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> which, like, which one are you leaning toward? Like, which one do you see as a more realistic future, or will, or will it be both? It'll be fun to die, and then we'll be able to regenerate uh, no, ourselves. No, I think that the balance of the world is getting better, and I think it will always. I think it will. I, I don't know why people think the world is getting worse. I think it's just. I don't know if it's our human nature or what, but it seems pretty common. I think I think part of it is we like we're getting more information, like just through social media and digital technology. Like we're being fed so much. Like every Facebook post right now is police brutality, right? right? But then I, I saw an article today that like um, Tom's has introduced this uh, like an anti-bullying backpack. So every backpack that sold goes towards like this program for. And so like. That stuff is awesome, but I had to hunt for that. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so I think you've hit it right, right, the nail right on the head, is that you're hearing about the one murder that happened, but um, but in the old days, you wouldn't have heard about it because, you know what I mean, it would have happened. You wouldn't have all this news sensationalism around it. I mean, if you think, of, when I think about my life, like here's a chart that I brought, this is a mural that I made, um, and it's it's really interesting. So it's this massive, massive rectangle, and it says um, the um, Stone Age, and it has 200,000 years, and then you have the next block, and it's like 10,000 years of the agricultural age, and then 200 years in the industrial age. And then there's this tiny, 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 tiny dot that says 
the technological era the last 60 years. So we got born then. I'm so glad I'm not in the Stone Age. I'm so glad I'm not. I wasn't even born 200 years ago. I mean, right. I wouldn't have been able to study. I wouldn't have been able to, to make art. I mean, I would have been like a farmer or I would have taken a day to do my laundry, right. you know, in the river, whatever. You know, I'm not saying that's bad, but I'm just saying that I, I feel like, uh, you know, I'm really happy to be alive. I think, you know, uh, well, for example, half of the population, women, you know, can vote and do things, you know what I mean? Which wasn't true right. like less than 100 years ago. So, so the world is getting better. And the way that we've been able to communicate. And from a macro, like a, like from your perspective yeah. over this. I mean, yeah. and, and I don't disagree with you. I'm just like, your perspective is really interesting. Yeah. And the AI technology, the guy that brought about this particular um, petition that everybody signed said, look, you know, AI is awesome. It can help older people get out of chairs and move them around. It can help us. Um, you know, it, it can assist us in our lives better. It can you know? help Haley Joel Osment's yeah. acting career. <laughs> <laughs> we just need a UN petition to make sure that AI isn't used for like ruthless killing. You know, because a robot doesn't care if it kills yeah. you. You know, there's no like. But, I think, but I think in terms of like you're with, with the thought around balance is that you, I feel like you're always going to have the best and worst of every. Look at look at how many hacks have happened, right? Right. <laughs> it's like, right. You know, and the moral debate around. What was most recent was uh, Ashley Madison, right? And how they got hacked, and it was like tens or was it hundreds of millions? Like, a, like I forget what the number was, but it was a very large number of people were potentially exposed. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I read a really interesting article from the just an interview with the CEO of um, of Ashley Madison, and you know, he really th- he really feels like he's doing a service to people who are in unhappy situations. And of course, that's a whole other ball of wax. But it's just like you know, the yin and the yang of the whole situation that uh, that kind of fuels the next evolution of it. Yeah, I mean, I think that. <laughs> Yeah, our personal data, like, who knows? It's right, right, definitely right. all out there. But, I mean, I think that, you know, street art is, is one of the ways that, you you know, when it's when it's proliferated in the world, you know, it's one of the societal interactions that you have that counters some of the, the negative stuff that you have on the news. Because, like, you're right. I mean, so it's is this we're, – we're teetering on this balance. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we're definitely tipping into the good. I think the good is going to outweigh the bad in, in many ways in the future. Right. And – Street art is a way that you're kind of you're like mediating that process. You're taking over the public space and doing something fun and with love. And like you stumble, I don't know if you've seen good street art, but like if you stumble upon it, it's like hilarious. Like there's this guy that fixes cracks in in the walls, like with Legos. Like he goes and builds up the walls, I and mean, it's like hilarious. So you walk by and your day's <laughs> automatically better because right. you're like, this dude fixed. You know what I mean? Yeah. The wall. So it's this. Um, it's this balance and and the more that we interact without mediaries like the news and other things like that the more you realize that there're good people out there you right. know yeah it's like, i mean it's like the if, if you get off the couch right right and, and lift up your head from your phone you'll see that oh like my news feed isn't the most relevant thing in my world right now right. um no that's awesome so like i guess in perspective I, one example when i do see the the rustoleum uh explain this this uh, spray this fake spray paint yeah so um i'm always trying to experiment with technology um and pranks and and different things and um so one of the things i've been experimenting with 
is invisible street art, you know, because, you know, a lot of the times the most artistic neighborhoods now are, are getting the most, like, you know, uppity, you know, there's so, the, you know, it's, it's harder to do street art in those neighborhoods because it's just like, I don't know, you know, right. you get that feeling that you shouldn't be doing it. So invisible street art is the perfect way to do it. Unfortunately, it doesn't rain that much in Los Angeles. But while I was in um, um, Portland at an augmented reality conference, I got my, um, so this is just a, a simple Rust-Oleum product called Never Wet. So you can go out and buy it. It's, mm-hmm. it's only like 20, 30 bucks, has two steps. And it's actually using nanotechnology. And I mean, that's like just so wild that technology like that is <laughs> right. available to us. So, I mean, I don't know if you go on YouTube, the dude like sprays it I've on his it, yeah. boots, right? And then you pour like chili on it, it like rolls off. <laughs> so, um, it, you know, a nanoparticle, just to give you a, f- a feeling of how awesome this is, is, one nanoparticle is like if you take a piece of human hair, it's 80,000 nanos wide. Like that's how big it wow. is. Okay. So, they're they're working at that level and it's just really cool so you can spray this on you don't see the stencil and then when it rains the difference in the color between the wet concrete and the dry concrete will show your piece right off you know so i'll do funny things like um you know rain kissing spot or you know just just funny things that people can can step step into um that's interesting you know it's great that you know like this sort of using technology and art even in this case to sort of surprise and delight especially in like portland or seattle where i think even statistically the suicide rates are higher you know because uh because of the weather (laughs) yeah you're still here (laughs) i I see you you're not an apparition (laughs) yeah you know um one of my um so i recently put out a little booklet it's um 75 um augmented reality and virtual reality app ideas jammed into a bathroom reader and one of the ideas in there is the ability to be in your house push a button and all of a sudden all your windows go gray and you start hearing the rain sound and you can feel like because my friend from portland needs rain like she can't do anything she can't get her like to-do list done unless it's like radio well she's also half turtle right (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i have to have sun i'm like the opposite yeah um, but so there, there'll be technology for almost any, any. Well, speaking of the book, which is really cool, I, you know, I, I thumbed through it. It's actually in my car. Um, Seventy-five ideas, and this was just around VR, correct? Yeah, augmented reality and virtual uh, reality. Okay, yeah. um, so. As an artist, right, I look at this book as like, hey, here's 75 things to think about, and whether you do them or not do them, your idea to building ratio, right? Like how many ideas do you have versus the ones that you're actually able to execute on? um, And how do you kind of decide like what's going to be the next Zenka project, right? Right. So, well, actually this this booklet I published, um, but I'm not going to be doing any of I'm so excited! Like so, I got out of the it's software. Art project de- oh, yeah, it's very yeah, meta. Exactly. I got I got out of the software development business. I'm done with that. Like so, I'm focusing on art, and that's like a pleasure. So this was like a fun way. So um, I, I did a show where I did 50 years of virtual reality and augmented reality headsets. So back from the Sega days and the NASA days and the really early like you know, um, how, uh, headsets that people were experimenting with. And I did 50 years of that. So I did 32 different heads. And a guy from, um, a Google engineer from Google Glass walked in and he, you know, I was like, oh, you know, Google Glass was pretty cool. And I, I was in Argentina. I couldn't get one because they wouldn't ship them out. And I had all these ideas that I wanted. He's like, oh, well, send me the ideas. And so I, I was like, oh, okay. So I sat down 
And I had a little piece of paper by my bed, and I just started writing down all these ideas of right. what stuff I would want. And for people that aren't familiar with augmented reality, it's, you know, you're seeing the real world, everything's the same, but then you're getting a 3D object like plopped into into that world that you can move around. Right, right now you gotta look at it with your phone, but eventually it'll be a glasses or contact lens or whatever. So it's this, this total game changer that's gonna affect the way that you and I do almost everything from hanging out with your friends to going on dates to organizing your life, I mean, of course it's going to affect gaming, but I didn't want to focus on those sure. ideas because those are sort of obvious. So, you know, and I think what's going to be interesting is we're going to actually be merging the real world with our imaginations and our fantasies. So, for example, one of the ideas I liked, you know, is the ability to go out on a date, drive an hour out of L.A. in the middle of nowhere. You know, you finally get there, you get out of the car, it's hot, it's the desert, whatever. You put on your glasses and you walk around the park which is basically nothing, but all of a sudden you see all these mirages that artists have created for you to look at. And then you stop at the bar, you know, get a crazy cocktail. Or, for example, you, you take your family into a huge park and you're seeing extinct animals that don't exist anymore. And you can walk around them. You can look at them. They make sounds. Wow. They hide. Or, you know, you have a big yard or football field. You turn it into a crazy maze that has been, you know, like a labyrinth of like topiary like excess, you know, because you don't have to maintain it. Yeah. So you can, you know, you can have like waterfalls and you get to a dead end, but it's like frogs everywhere. And then there's a, like a nighttime scary version. I mean, so, <laughs> you know, you can just throw this out there. You can duplicate it. You can share it. You know, right. it's it's, it's going to be really it's going to be a lot of fun. Very rarely does a mind like yours frighten me in a good way. It's like, <laughs> uh, I could like I could just see you like riffing like you know uh, in in these environments. So I, 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 there's two directions I want to go, but I, I think I want to start with how did you happen, right? <laughs> like like you're you're it's a it's a rare individual that is you. Um, but like what's your or you mentioned software development, you know, I know you had more of a traditional sort of upbringing, but uh, but would love to kind of, I don't know, the the Zanka origin story, if you will. OK, so um, I grew up in Ohio, went to performing arts high school um, and then studied um, film in college, but and then worked in film for a long time kind of realized that it wasn't the now of the moment. Like I felt like the internet was what was really happening and I move in, into that. And then I got, you know, I started a software company um, and I always loved art. What did the software company do? We're just well, so um, we developed, um, we were doing websites from Argentina. We we're doing software development. Okay. And before that, I was working at Akamai Technologies, um, doing their managing their streaming department, working on interactive software for web streaming like you know like there was a Got teacher it. and people were act so so yeah i come from that world and i'd always done art on the side always you know always building stuff and doing stuff but it never you know i don't know if i didn't have the guts or or well an interesting thing happened i went on a vacation and i went unplugged Okay, unplugged means no computers, no phones, no nothing. Not MTV unplugged. You know, and this was like a three-day vacation, you know, a beach vacation. Right. And it, it was life, it was completely and totally life-changing. The reason was is because, you know, like, I'm a go-getter. I'll just do whatever's on my plate and I'll do it 
really well, you know. So you throw me at a company, like make this company work, I will make that company work, you know. But it's but it's almost like you know those like gerbils that just run around in a like in their little what do you call those things like little circles? That was me, yeah. like a I hamster just, wheel. Yeah, I was just taking whatever was there and and like you know and and I hadn't stopped to think of is this what I really want in my life? Is this the trajectory that I want? And my husband and I looked at each other like. We don't want to do this anymore. You know what I mean? Like, right. And he's like, well, what do you want to do? Like, so I think it's really important for people to sit down and think if if there was the best case scenario, if every if, if I could just, you know, what would I wish for? Right. Like without any limitations. And it was like, I want to be a professional artist. And he was like, I want to work in a successful gaming company. And within one year, we'd sold the business. He, I was making art full time. He was working for one of the biggest um, gaming companies in the world. Like, and that that transition was scary. Like I cried. I'm like, oh my god, we're, we're like, we're you know, like we're shutting down our company. This thing right. I worked for for like you know many years. So, so I think that that's important. And the other thing that really changed my life was um, a quote I read by Sheryl Sandberg. She's the um, COO of Facebook, and she said, "Done is better better than perfect." And I don't know if it's like I think a lot of women. Maybe it's my husband said. Maybe it's not just women, but a lot of people have this like perfectionism thing that prevents them from doing things and completing things because you want it to be perfect so you never just you never go through with the whole thing because you're like okay well I got to put my name on that and I wanted to but I got to a point where I just started saying done is better than perfect and what happens is when you say that and when you just complete this cycle there's there's a concept in software development called iterative development Mm -hmm. iteration so and, and so you actually do one full loop. You say, I'm going to take this from point A to point B. I'm going to finish it. And then I'm going to improve upon it. So in other words, it allows you to put stuff out there um, and get through the whole process. Because the whole process isn't that fun. Like maybe, you know, like the creation part is fun. But then you've got to like photograph. You've got to measure. And then you exhibit. But the exhibit part's fun. So it's like getting through that whole process is important. And I think... Um, I think it changed my life and it really sped up um, where I was going with my career. And I guess along those lines, I mean, there's a couple of transitional points that you hit. One is shutting down something that's super secure for you, right? Right. Which, I mean, big company. Like there was a a note from the CEO of Homejoy recently that kind of went out and it was like an open letter about why they're closing down their company, right? And here's the shared economy version of housekeeping which, you know, um, my family, we use a lot, right? Every couple of weeks, and we're like, oh, it's going away. And I'm sure there's a pain point, but there's also a freedom that comes with it. Like, how did you how did you go about either prepper, preparing practically and even emotionally for the transition? Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, you know, I, I was surprised about the emotional part because my husband's like, well, wait a minute, but this is what you want. I'm like, yeah, but we're, but we're shutting this down. So nothing prepares you, but you've just got to do it. And I think it took maybe six months of the new life to really get things going. I started out with some really big projects, which were a lot of fun. Right. Um, but like I said, I mean, the more stuff you do, the more confidence you have, the more um, you know yourself, the more you know what you want to do. Um, so it's just like you just got to jump in. And I think if you miss out in your life, if you miss out on what you were kind of destined to do, that's a sad thing. And you right. can see when people are in their element. You can totally see when people are 
doing what they're supposed to do in this world because they are shining. They're like they're they're having fun. It's effortless. For You're them. shining. You know, <laughs> like genuine. That's why I took your picture just now. I was like, you are like absolutely glowing. Um, you're not pregnant, are you? No. Okay. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I was gonna. Um, oh, you, when you mentioned the. I don't know, just kind of recognizing the fact that art is going to be your thing. Um, what was, what were some of the first successes that you saw? Like, okay, this is actually a sustainable lifestyle for me. Because, it, you know, going from the side hustle to like, okay, fully transitioning and probably having a business mindset. And then I'm going to ask you the real question that I just forgot and remembered. Okay. Okay, so one of the things, is, and this is true for artists, and I'm not sure it's true for, true for all disciplines, but you know, one of the big decisions that also helped me succeed was stopping to try to make small change money and try to do things like that I thought other people would like. And doing, you know, so I was selling um, stuff to shops and like, you know, and, 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 you know, doing an Etsy store and doing all this stuff that was like crappy because it was like kind of like how do you sell small pieces that are, you know, and make any money at right. it? And it was just like stuff I didn't care about. Yeah. You know, then you have to turn yourself into a factory, you know. And so I was like, you know what? I'm not doing any of that. Like, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm just going to focus on on doing big pieces that I want to make that I would like statements that I want to say. Um, and then. And those ended up being the things that were successful. And, and, and so, you know, you have to kind of like let all the other opinions go. And you also have to go and kind of, kind of speak from your honest self. Because if what you're doing is honest or, or you're having fun, people are going to see that. If you're trying to intellectually figure that out, right. it gets too confusing. And, it, you know, people are like dogs. They can just like it just doesn't resonate for some reason. So. You've just got to, you know, really um, have fun at what you're doing and and like just just be very specific to what how what you think and what you feel, because chances are someone's going to identify with you, even though it's really specific. Totally. Did you do you feel like part of you had to experience the dislike to venture into the what you actually do like? Right. So as far as like software development, which is cool and the filmmaking, like you had to have these set of experience that were checking off the no boxes on the list of like, oh, maybe I like this, maybe I like that. And then finally, like, the vision starts to happen for you. Um, as opposed to, uh, I think sometimes when you go to an 18-year-old kid, right, like, well, what are you passionate about? And like, they don't have enough life experience to know what they like or dislike, you know, uh, rarely, I guess. Right. Yeah, I mean, I know exactly what you mean. And I wish that I had started doing art earlier. Like, I wish, because... Because I want to say that I agree with you because I do agree with you that, yes, like the past is prologue, like all the things, you know, I'm a great film editor, you know, I know software, I know technology. So all those those things really did add up to, to where I am today. Right. And you kind of think, why was I so off track for so long? And really, I wasn't because, like you said, all those things yeah. can, can play in. But I guess, um, you know, I guess... I would 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 like like to impart to people to try to go with your gut early on, give things a shot, make some sacrifices. Um, and a lot of people are in this situation where they're not exactly sure what they want to do. 
which is perfectly fine. Right. And you just, like you said, you just have to like smorgasbord pick, you know, pick and choose and have fun and be curious and get to know other people and, um, you know, try stuff out because that's the only other way. And you can't, you can't, you know, you've really got to get into it and practice it for a while before you know whether you're going to like it too, because it's not something that it's like not always love at first sight. You know, it's like some things require that you invest some commitment into it for a year to see like is this something i really love and a lot of times it's like the movement you know like the street art movement wooed me you know what i mean like other artists wooed me so uh, it's not always just you and and the material it's the world that you're in like you want to be a dj like hook up with other djs and see if you like that world if you want to be you know a writer get in a writer's group and find out you know that kind of thing so um, don't do it in a vacuum. Yeah, don't do it in a vacuum. Yeah. And you can always change your mind and do something else. You know, well, I think that's the same for for companies, right? Like, you know, I mean, as we get a lot of entrepreneurs and business people who listen to the show, it's, I think it, that same rule applies. Of like, okay, most people will bring in an expert, you know, and like, oh, we'll talk about it for over the course of a, a meeting, um, as opposed to you know really learning that world. There's a um, we had a guest on, Nicole Yershon, from, who runs Innovation for Ogilvy, right, which is a creative agency, and she's in London. And they will study a topic like VR for six months, right, and, and like deliberately carve out time each week to educate themselves on that. And then you know, start to roll it out to, to clients, right? And especially if it's something that they're passionate about, that they've learned all the intricacies about what it does and what it doesn't do. Um, but it's, it's interesting that, like, it's that same approach in the sort of solopreneur, you know, entrepreneur creative community. So Yeah, and it's never too late. That's another thing to remember. Like, take the pressure off yourself. It's never too late to be who you want to be, you know, and it can happen when you're 80 years old, you know, and still you can have a really profound impact on other people and yourself. Well, 80 might be a little. No, no, we're going to be living till we're 110. So so says a futurist. We're going to be here for a long time. You got time. Don't do anything right now. (laughs) Um, uh, No, it's like Colonel Sanders, I think, was shopping his chicken recipe from door to door, like in the 60s. Um, it's like, hey, you want to taste my like, which would be weird, you know. But, but you, as you as a futurist, it's like, uh, you, you know, you look at, I don't know how long ago that was, but he's walking around door to door like, taste my chicken. Um, I don't think that will work today. Well, there was a, there was an eighty year old woman who got her first tattoo the other day, and she was like super excited. She's like, I want to do this forever. So she got out of the nursing home. They drove her down. And she it was like that was like, oh, that's so cool, man. That's really cool. Is that a YouTube video? Is no, I don't know. What no, you just, saw right. it. That's even better. Floating around. Um, so kind of fast forward, right? You mentioned Google and Delta earlier. You know, what is it like you working with companies and businesses? Is it just supplying them art? Is it kind of like, hey, we want to, we want some creative juice in our business like what is what's the relationship there with when you work with organizations like that yeah so um so delta the the buyer for delta airlines came in to the show that i had at the district gallery and she bought 10 pieces and the work is going to be shown um at jfk international at their sky lounge so it's going to have a documentary about the process of how i raku my pieces and the history of augmented reality and then each piece is going to have an augmented reality overlay so their headsets this is part of the headset series and people are going to be able to go with their cell phones or an ipad and and see the interactive artwork 
well, they're waiting two hours for their right. plane to take right. off, so that's going to be really or more. fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the Google piece was interesting. You know, I'm, I am since I did sort of work in marketing, I do have that like little thing in my back pocket where I'm I good at that. And you know, I had this big um, Google Cardboard piece that I had made for the show, and I hadn't sold it. And I was invited. I was being invited to tour Facebook and, and Google their their departments, virtual reality departments. And so I was like, oh, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm not gonna give them this piece. You know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lay it on them. You know, so I went up there. I got this awesome tour. My mind was blown. You know, I gave them this piece, and then they called me up a couple weeks later and said, "Oh my God, your piece is in our museum. It's right next to, um, you know, the original cardboard that came off the assembly line. And wow. now we want you to do another piece for the new Google Cardboard that's coming out. You know, so you create these relationships. Um, you know, I'm a big proponent of going straight to the top straight to where you want to go like if if you need a mentor in a big company or if you want your art in that company you know you just got you you got to knock on doors you got to send emails you know there's nothing there's no there's no kind of gold you know there's no gate that's stopping you from doing that you know so i created this relationship and it happened and then it's ending up being fruitful you know and then the guy from google actually he ordered a couple personal things he's flying down this weekend to see his heads being fired you know customer right. piece of friend but yeah so your network sort of grows, but you got to put yourself out there and you got to know what where you're going and what you want. That's awesome. I'm going to read my uh, Google poem. <laughs> Oogly Google. No, okay. Um, so, <laughs> sorry about that. I was trying to get, you told me to go straight to the top. So I have to write the poem first. I was going to freestyle it. And I was like, no, I'm going to save the freestyle and the, the real delivery for another time. Um, so it's, it's cool. So let's talk about your process. You said heads and fire, which, you know, if that was taken out of context, could the people may call police. <laughs> so because um, I've seen the images and a lot, like, even with the faces that you've sculpted that are wearing sort of the VR gear, um, there's a little bit of like gruff to them. They're like they're right. they're rough images. Like even some of them look uncomfortable. Right. Um, so I, I, just describe like the creation process and like what that final product kind of look, what you want it to look and feel like. Right, right, right. So um, you know, I had tried a lot of different art forms from stained glass to I mean just all, murals, all sorts of things, and then I landed on this technique called raku. And it kind of fits with my obsession with the historical piece of the world, you know, and also the futuristic piece. Because what happens is when the pieces come out, they look super ancient. They look like they've been dug out of an archaeological dig. But they also have lusters, which are like, you know, like kind of like an oil spill, you know, so they look like super sci-fi at the same time. Right. So... The process is really interesting, and it's part of what, like, I'm like, I'm gonna, I love adrenaline, and that's part of what's so fun about street artists because your like, heart is racing. You're like, oh my God, you know? And the same thing happens when I raku. So, so when I, so I sculpt the piece, whatever I'm working on, um, I fire it, and then I drive down to Ceramic Services, which is this huge industrial place right on the, um, or the railroad tracks um, in Ontario. And they have all these different kilns. They manufacture these kilns. You know, we throw them in the kilns, wait a couple hours, gets to 2,000 degrees. You lift the kiln up. You've got, you know, you've got like masks on. You've got gloves. You know what I mean? You pull the stuff out. It's like red hot. It's like burning red hot. And you dump it into these metal buckets. 
um, lined with paper and sawdust and the whole thing catches fire. It's like, and like your eyebrows are getting singed. You're like closing the tops and like smoke is everywhere. You're like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> it's like so crazy. Right. Every second counts because like the way the oxidation works. So the way that the oxygen mixes with the metals and the glazes, like you have seconds to do it. You know what I mean? Right. Sometimes we spray it with um, chemicals used on um, computer boards and stuff. So it, it's really fun. You open it up like 20 minutes later and you're like, what happened? Happen. You know, you don't know exactly ah. how things are, you know, how things are going to crackle, how are things are going to, you know, come right. out. So that's called raccoon. And like I said, it was invented in Japan in the 1500s. And then it was reinvented here in Los Angeles in the 1960s. At the same time, virtual reality and augmented reality were being invented. So a lot of these things that that How'd were... How'd you put that together? Like, I know. <laughs> I realized that. I was like, this is so cool. You know, right. I was like, wow, you know. So a lot of things take some, some time to bubble up. But... um but but yeah, no. This uh, I mean the the painstaking process, and and I guess going back to like the the look and feel of it all, right? Um, I, I really wanted to ask you about like the discomfort, like something, you know. Yeah. So so I mean that was sort of like my personality is really like hyper positive, but someone was like. I, I don't know. I felt like uh, so. I was doing this big gallery show. I felt like if everybody was smiling, it wouldn't be that good. Because the thing is, when you well, in this particular show, it was people wearing virtual reality headsets, and when you put a virtual reality headset on, you are there, right? You are there. Like the the newest headsets are so realistic that you that it, like if you're on the ledge of a, like like a high building, you won't jump off. Like your body won't let you jump off. I experienced that too. It's not just like fiction. Like wow. I was on the ledge. I was at Facebook doing the uh, Facebook doing the Oculus demo. I'm like on the ledge of a building looking down seeing these tiny cars and I was like jump off, jump off. It's fake. It's fake. Just jump off. And I couldn't do it. Like my whole body was like pulling me backwards. And then there was all these like dinosaurs, like, you know, like coming toward me with like slobber everywhere. And I was just like, ah, like I was like, you know, so you, you know, (laughs) virtual reality is going to allow you to have these like hyper intense experiences, like movie worthy experiences. But you're in the middle of them and you're able to look up or down. You know what I mean? There was like bullets flying for me. Then there was like a car coming to me. It's like, oh, my God. So when people have these headsets on, you're like, why aren't you, you know, why aren't you present? Like, what are you looking at in there? Like, what are you seeing? Like, so there's this curiosity of wanting to be in there with Very them. True. And it's also, you know, you feel kind of left out, like be with me here in the real world. And so this whole idea of presence, presence is the name um, of the tech, tech, technical term to mean that your body is totally, you know, right. engrossed in it. So, um, and that's what we have to deal with in the modern age is like, like, are we present in the real world? Are we somewhere else? Are we on our cell phones? Like, so, so it's going to be this whole question of where are we, you know, with these headsets on. So those expressions talk about these heightened places that right. we're going to go. And- no, it's, it's, it's super real. I mean, I've, because I've, I've done a number of, of VR demos and like, I've seen people scream. I've seen yeah. people jump. I've like... And it's it's definitely one of the most immersive when done right, right. And and then I'm like I'm always I'm super curious. And I don't know if you are too, but about like the of the implications of VR outside of entertainment. So like I went to Michigan State, and so shout out to uh, Spartans. Um, but like recently there was a, a article posted about um, the 
they're doing some stuff with autism and like working with autism, artistic patients and, and showing them stuff or people who have phobias of certain things and like putting them in this world where, but you, like even the, the glow that you have when you're describing this ledge experience might even be too real for, you know, for the, if I'm scared of snakes, right? And they're like, let's put you in the snake pit virtually. You're like, no, no, this is real. But have you, like, have you thought about like the other implications of VR and AR stuff? Well, yeah. I mean, some of the ideas in the book are a lot of fun. Like one of them's like um, a speech practice thing so you can put them on and you can practice your speech but instead of like being alone in your apartment you can actually have like you can pick is it a classroom is it a huge stadium is it like a conference and so you can just have the people there and you can press a button to have them like laugh or clap or whatever you know right make yourself feel good at the end i I need that for the show yeah one of the other ones are like you put your your boyfriend at the other end of the room and you throw darts or like whatever spears or whatever you know what i mean and and, you know like a sword a virtual sword throwing you know what i mean so you could actually have two headsets so yeah you'd be screaming but i think you know a lot of it's going to be meeting with each other like so you get an autistic person a child with another child or another animal and maybe they're just interacting um in a world that feels safer to them because they know it's just practice you know what i mean and they get to initiate a conversation with someone you know and it could be someone real it could be you know one of these demos at the conference i went to i was like i was a little robot in the world and i started talking to the other little robot and i was like i asked a question it answered really well i was like gosh, this is so good. And I asked it another one. And it answered really well. And then it dawned on me. It's like this moment where it dawned on me that I was talking to another dude at the end of the, the conference demo table that was really? also embodying the other robots. So we were talking to each other without realizing that we were interacting with another human. You know wow. what I mean? So it's like, there's going to be some really cool experience. It's not going to diminish the real world. Um, and it's not going to diminish our relationships with other people because a lot of this stuff is going to be you're going to do it with your friends. You're going to go into a world with your other friends. Or I, I mean, I want to have an app where I can have dinner with my parents. You know what I mean? Like sit and have a real dinner with my parents. Like I'm in my apartment, they're in their house. I'm cut out, you know, right. on their table. And, and or, or, you know, we could decide whether we want to be in Paris or their place or my place, or we could all be somewhere different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, you know, technology is as good as humans are, you know what I mean? And if we want to do lame, you know, war games, we can, but we right. can also do a lot of really cool stuff. Well, I think about that, too. I think, you know, I was going to ask you, like, why do we need uh, Zenka in the world, right? Because uh, there's definitely technology for technology's sake, and then there's somebody comes along and plays with it, and it just opens up this whole other world of like, oh, that's what <laughs> that's what we can do with it, right? Um, have you found yourself in the middle of that bridge, you know, between practicality and functionality, or creativity and functionality? Well, I think the reason that I exist in the art world is a couple things. Like, one is to, you know, I talked about how technological change is going to be so ridiculous in the next 20 years 30 years and more that i want to use my art to talk about that technology to start conversations like this recent project i'm doing um i'm spray painting on colorful fabric this is gene therapy i want some guy to pass that and be like what is gene therapy i don't know let's look it up you know what i mean like i want people to start having conversations about this so that we can decide how we want to interact with technology um you know 
um, this is the trickle up theory, but let's see, nanotech, you know, what is nanotech? You know, right. I had to look it up too, you know what I mean? So it's using artwork to, you know, I wish in my other life I want to be a sociologist, you know, like I think an artist's job in the world is to um, reflect back on ourselves, like what's happening. And I also feel my my job as an artist is to encourage other people to make art, right? A lot of my street art is all built on, like, I sell do-it-yourself kits. Like, I want people to go and install these, you know, on date night or, like, whatever. Like, and those want, being the yeah, hashtag uh, plex. Yeah, you know, or, or these, you know. Like, I want people to go. I want you to be a – I want you to try street art because you're going to become addicted and want to do it because it's like you starting a conversation. Well, black people you do know? street art. It's, you get arrested. No. So I, uh, I'll, I'll do it at night. Well, no, it's worse. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah, I usually do it, like, in the middle of the day. It's like that's <laughs> yes, the best exactly. time to do it. But With yeah. my white friends. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like one of the people on your oh, that you interviewed on your show, she's like, yeah, you know, if you have a body, you're an athlete. And that's true. You know what I mean? Like, Who said that? If Look you at you. Have a voice, quote an innovation question. Yeah, that's right. Like if you have a voice, you can sing. If you have a body, you can dance. Like that's, you know, important to me to for people to um, – whatever join the conversation right. you know what i mean like to get out there like you can print out something funny like there is um you know that you see on the internet you print it out and then you you stick it on a telephone pole you yeah. know what i mean like um well i think you know I, I look at the technology as also this huge enabler uh, you know a for you to spread the gospel right like if you do a street installation historically that was you know either covered by news or photographs or whatever um and it was very hyper local but now with the you know with the advent of technology and like how we can share all this through Instagram or you know Facebook or whatever other social media platforms and add this other like what you're doing is adding another layer of interaction on top of it that people will definitely want to talk about more. It's like oh my gosh, I had this amazing experience. Um, is just I think we all sort of express our creative sides in some way, shape, or form because uh, because the mediums are there to to reach them. Yeah, yeah, put your put your mind out there. Just <laughs> like you post on Facebook, you know. Um, so I, I don't know. Like, what's what? Do you have something that's like on your wish list? Is there one project that you have in mind? And you're like, oh man, uh, if I only had X, Y, and Z, this is uh, you know. Do you want to turn a like 3D map projection onto a building? And <laughs> right, like, right, or like right, I don't right, know. Right, what right, is right. what's the dream project? If, or if you do have one. Well, um, I'm working on a show next year, um, and it's going to be a collaborative show. And I'm working with some technology guys from um, Dacry, and they do super high high end like augmented reality and we had a meeting yesterday we're trying to think like what is the theme of the show going to be you know and we were talking about like modern musicians or explorers that really push the frontier or um you know and i don't know the magician idea kind of stuck with me of wanting to sculpt you know magicians from all over because augmented reality and virtual reality are are it's modern magic i mean you look like people like i show people my augmented reality art and they're like shut the front door you know like they're like in other words like that you know if someone said right. that i was laughing so i was like oh yeah. but it's like the expression on their face is just priceless because adults don't get to see magic that much you know it's like magic meaning you look at something you're like how the hell did they do that like right. how is that possible you know um and so and so yeah so that's gonna be really fun and i i'm i'm working on 
on that show and excited about it. So the show is called Innovation Crush. Thank you for listening to it. Um, what, uh, what else do you see out in the world that you're crushing on? Right, uh, maybe in your world, maybe outside your world, maybe across the world. I don't know. But uh, is there what's kind of you seen lately? You're like, oh my gosh, that's absolutely. Awesome. I've started using that word like, oh, I'm crushing on this. I'm crushing on that. <laughs> like, I'm like, this is Chris's fault. This is totally Chris's hey, fault. You know, we can't all be at the tip of culture. <laughs> no, <laughs> making up words that everybody's right, exactly. use. Exactly. Yeah, so um, you know, I there's a lot of futurists that I really admire that that I'm I'm really excited about knowing. But I would have to say my crush is on this woman called Candy Chang, who does. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. She, you have a photo credit on her website. Yeah, I'm in her book and stuff. Yeah, she. Um, so she, for those who are not familiar with her, she decided to create this one of her most famous works that she created. She painted an entire side of the building with a thing that said, before I die, I want to. And then there was a line. And then, you know, before I die, I want to line. And she gave people chalk. And so they walked by and they wrote all these things they wanted to do before they died. And it was such a powerful thing. And then I remember seeing it on the Internet. And then all of a sudden I saw it like in all these different languages. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, so this piece went totally viral. You know what I mean? It's installed in hundreds of cities around the world. And the reason I have a crush on her is that this piece of artwork met all the requirements of what I think is, uh, like, a really powerful piece in that, number one, it's universal. You know what I mean? Like, so a a businessman that's seven years old is totally into this piece as well as a 10 year old you know what i mean from china so it didn't matter what culture what age like you know people were gravitated and moved by this piece right it was interactive which is cool like people really stopped like so we painted one in cordoba where i was living and within two hours okay two hours the entire wall was covered and we have to had to keep erasing it was like crazy but you know so Asking yourself that question, as, as she says, like often puts your life in perspective. It puts like what's important to you right. into perspective, which is really brilliant. And I also like that she was able to create a piece that was shareable and viral. So all of a sudden, all these people got to make art with her. Um, and so and so I totally admire her yeah. for that. No, she's awesome. I actually had a chance to chat with her on the phone, <sighs> like, I don't know, a few months ago, yeah, and I was just like, I was, I, I was all like, show. hey, oh, so also, um, yeah, she's 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 fantastic, um, and so thank you for that. Secondarily, I would like to ask you to complete a phrase for me. Okay, uh, innovation to me is innovation to me is I guess it's looking at something from a different perspective like a problem or or from a different perspective you know and I always say that that's that's really important like you know if a teacher says okay here's a bowl of fruit like paint the still life you know try getting on the floor and looking at it you know a place where your eyes normally aren't you know that people can see it from a different way or paint it really bionic close up or whatever like it's an artist's job to see the world the everyday world in a new way that you haven't seen it. Um, and, and I think that's their role. And I also think that, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard that expression. Um, um, invention is the mother. No, nece- necessity is the mother of invention, mm-hmm. right? So if you need to do something, you invent a way to do it. And one of the pieces of advice I would impart to anybody is, limit yourself give yourself a ton of limitations because that's where innovation is born 
when you have a limit of time or a limit of materials or a limit of anything, money, (laughs) right? And those are no excuses, okay? Like money's not excused, time's not excused, you know, like, so when you limit yourself with all those things, you'd be amazed at how creative you can become because you still want to complete a piece in two weeks because that's the time limit you've had. You only have a hundred dollars. So you're going to have to go to this, you know, Apex Electronics to look for, you know, like whatever. So, and in that you, you, you'll find innovation. Well, Um, this also, it goes back to what you said earlier, which in kind of like the whole antithesis of your perspective is done is better than perfect. Exactly. Right. Like if you have that two week limit, do something. Right. Even if it's not your perfect vision of what right. it, you know, what, what you thought it was going to be. It's like the the surprise of at least g- giving that gift to the world, um, if I want to be a little bit hippy-dippy, um, <laughs> is, you know, how people respond to it. Because a lot of times our vision is, as innovators, is like, oh, I really want to do this thing. Right. But this, you know, the thing that's, you know, 20 feet below that is still, like, pretty pretty cool. Right. So um, so you're right. Like, those, like, the, and I, I love the idea, and I, I talk about this a lot, is, you know, the, some of the best innovation comes from constraint. Yes. Right. You're, like, yes. you're in a tiny box, and you're like, uh, I really because if you have all the time and all the money and all the resources in the world, it's like you can't do anything. Stifled by you're choice. Stuck. Yeah, yep. you're stuck. You're yep. like, you know, there's another expression like it takes the amount of time give like to do something as you have. So if you have an unlimited time, it's going to take you unlimited time to complete it. Yep. You know what I mean? So it's funny. I mean, it, it, that's such a a broad principle. I mean, even in like uh, I think it's Dave Ramsey who teaches finances, and he's like. How, how much money is enough money? The amount of money you have right now. Right? Like, it's, it's, it's like whatever amount of money, like, that's enough to start doing something, right? Um, so uh, so I want to thank you. How can how can people find you and find your works? And I, I, I know if I go to JFK soon, I will fly Delta. That's right. And, um, that's right. and be stunned by your by your work. But, yeah. like, where else can people find you on the interwebs? Yes. So um, Zenka.org, Z-E-N-K-A.org. And then on the social media. Hashtag. Are you a nonprofit? Is that why you went to No, with it was what was available. I'm still <laughs> trying to get the guy to sell me the .com. Nice. Um, but, and then Hello Zenka on Instagram, Facebook, all that. Hello awesome. Zenka, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. This is awesome. Thank you, Chris. I'm so, so happy that, that this happened. Uh, hey, everybody. This has been another edition of Innovation Crush, and we will talk to you next time. like listening to comedy try watching it on the internet the folks behind the sideshow network have launched a new youtube channel called wait for it it's got interviews with comedians like reggie watts todd glass liza schleichinger slicing driving friends with her for 10 years one of the funniest people out there and i still have a hard time with the last name liza our very own owen benjamin that's me takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you.
A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.